Hello, I'm Michael O'Toole, Crown Correspondent with The Star, and welcome to another episode of our special podcast series focusing on the trial of Jerry Hutch. As you'll know, Mr Hutch, who's known as The Monk, is on trial at the non-jury special criminal court in central Dublin. He is charged with the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Airport Hotel in the north side of the city on the 5th of February 2016. Now that's a charge he denies. Two men are on trial alongside Mr Hutch. Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy are not charged with the murder of David Byrne, of course. Instead, they're accused of helping a crime gang to carry out the murder by providing it with cars. Like Mr Hutch, they deny the charges and all three are now on trial. Now, as you know, this is the second week of the trial. We're going to be podcasting as often as we can, but some days will be quite procedurally heavy and don't necessarily lend themselves to this type of coverage. However, joining me now to discuss the last few days of evidence is Irish Daily Star Chief Reporter Paul Healy. Hello, Paul. Hello, Mick. So I understand today was largely taken up at the Special Criminal Court with CCT evidence in the case. Yeah, we, we, we've seen, we've seen uh, a lot of CCTV in the case to date, but today uh, was particularly significant because it was the first time that we've seen any footage uh, which is alleged to be uh, of the accused, uh, Jerry Hutch. Um, so in particular, what was uh, of interest um, was alleged footage, uh, which is about 15 days after the events of the Regency Hotel attack. And what we saw was, uh, again, allegedly, uh, Jerry Hutch, um, this time in the company of Jonathan Dowdall. And now we know Jonathan Dowdall has pleaded guilty already uh, to facilitating the murder of David Byrne. And he's he's set to take the witness stand um, and, and, and is going to be a significant uh, portion of the state's case against the monk. Um, so, so it was really significant footage. And, and what we saw was these two individuals together uh, at a petrol station uh, on the Newry Road in Armagh uh, on the 20th of February 2016, as I say, 15 days after the Regency. And uh, in, in this footage, uh, the two individuals are seen getting out of a Jeep uh, in, in a petrol station, and we see them both going into the shop inside. And we were then shown footage of the inside of the petrol station, and we see these two individuals kind of doing like very mundane things and, and on the surface of it it might sound mundane and quite normal but it's quite significant in that this the, these are the two central individuals in this case we've got Jonathan Dowdall and allegedly Jerry Hutch in this building together um days after the, the attack in the regency and and much of this has gone to be backed up with the state's evidence against the muck. So obviously this is the state's evidence that the two men in the CCTV evidence that you w- watched today were Jonathan Dowdall and Jerry Hutch. Yeah, well, the two the two individuals in the clip uh, were allegedly Jonathan Dowdall and Jerry Hutch, and we see them going inside into this shop, and we see Jonathan Dowdall uh, paying for some items, and we see uh, allegedly Jerry Hutch standing over uh, at the coffee dock, and eventually we see him um, actually preparing to make himself a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, uh, while Dowdall is, is at the actual counter. Again, very mundane things we see, you know, a newspaper uh, being picked up by the monk and he appears, allegedly by the monk, and he gives it to Jonathan Dowdall, who, who appears to pay for the paper, gives him back the newspaper and we see uh, them then departing the shop. Obviously, Paul, who is in the videos is a matter for the judges in their judgment, which will be quite some time away. But may I just ask you, was the CCTV quality clear? To me, the CCTV quality was quite clear. Um, we saw a lot of defining characteristics with both of the men in the footage. The man that's alleged to be Jerry Hutch is wearing a dark coat. You see him wearing a hat. You can see strands of hair coming out of the hat. 
he's wearing blue jeans and uh, the, the man alleged to be Jonathan Dowdall is, is wearing a black coat but certainly has the appearance of Jonathan Dowdall. We know that Jonathan, Jonathan Dowdall is supporting the state's case and, and, and is a witness in the case. Paul, how would you have described the demeanour of the two men in the video? Yeah, well, I mean, they look quite normal. As I say, what they were doing uh, appears quite normal uh, w- without any context. These are two individuals that pull up to a petrol station, get out of a car, go into the shop, pouring coffee, buying a newspaper and walking back out. Uh, very casual in its nature. But the significance of this is going to come to light later. I mean, we know already from the prosecution's case that Jonathan Dowdall has a number of occasions that he, where he alleges uh, that he had contact with Jerry Hutch. And so this is footage uh, which shows allegedly these two individuals together. So that's significant and it is going to be probably played again and referred to again and mentioned again. But this is the first time that we've seen any footage allegedly of these two individuals together. And that's what's really of significance. Okay. And what was the next clip? Yeah, so again, as I said, we we saw a, a number of clips, some of them more procedural than others, but we were again shown footage, allegedly these two individuals together. Uh, this was on the 7th of March, 2016, and we see an individual pulling up in a BMW to Keeley's car park uh, in, in the Swords Road in Dublin. And this individual is alleged by the prosecution again to be Jerry Hutch. And we see allegedly Jerry Hutch going over and sitting on a bench, um, outside Keeley's pub just facing the car park and he sits there for a period of 10 minutes before we see a, a jeep pulling up uh, this is alleged to be Jonathan Dowdall driving the jeep we'd earlier earlier seen footage of Jonathan Dowdall allegedly leaving his home and getting into this jeep and we've seen the registration of the jeep and again the prosecution the whole way through has alleged that the jeep were watching making its way to Keeley's pub and coming into the car park Keeley's pub is the same jeep and we see then uh, this figure they allege to be Jerry Hutch walking up to the Jeep and getting into it, and it goes up to Northern Ireland. Um, we then subsequently see further footage of, again, allegedly Jerry Hutch in a hotel, uh, this time at a reception desk, uh, appearing to, to retrieve a wallet and going back out and getting into this Jeep. So again, we're seeing further significant movements and alleged meetings between Jerry the Monk Hutch and Jonathan Dowdall. And while they haven't gone into great detail as to the context of these meetings, we know again from the prosecution's case um, that the meetings between these two will form much of the evidence against Jerry Hutch. So essentially what, what the, the state is doing, it's, it's building bricks of evidence and it's building bricks of its case that it will put in the closing speech by uh, the senior counsel at the end of the case to the judges. Yes, but just like as a, as a journalist, I suppose, covering uh, the feud and the events of the feud and, and, and even for yourself to be hearing about this, Mick, um, it is a moment uh, of significance and it is new information for us to be seeing footage allegedly of these two people together. Um, and, you know, it brings a certain context. I mean, you can remember covering the feud and the days just following the Regency Hotel attack. And, you know, the alleged involvement of the Hutch gang and the Kinahan gangs and, you know, the whereabouts of Jerry Hutch, where is he and, and this and that, uh, and, and is he a target, etc. So it's new information for us to be seeing where Jerry the Monk Hutch allegedly was in the days following the Regency. Yeah, and I'm even thinking, so, I mean, the court heard today that the, some of the footage was taken on the 20th of February. Yeah. As we know, the Regency happened on the... 5th of February but three days later 
on the 8th of February, one of Gary Hutch's brothers, Eddie Hutch, who was a 58-year-old man, he was shot dead by the Kinnahan gang in north-central Dublin. So if the footage that you watched today was 12 days after Jerry the Monk's brother. So that's obviously, there's obviously a context there. Yes, and again, I'm sure we'll be hearing much more about that. But um, some of the other evidence that we heard, again, it was all CCTV today, but but something that particularly raised eyebrows earlier in the day uh, was actually in relation to the monk's brother, uh, Patsy Hutch, who was referred to in, in the court case as Patrick Hutch Sr. But we know him is more familiar as Patsy Hutch. Um, so you might maybe contextualise, Mick, who exactly Patsy Hutch is. Yeah, Patsy Hutch is... Gary Hutch is, old, is his older brother. Now, he is the father of Gary Hutch, and who was murdered in the Costa del Sol by the Kinnahan gang in February or in September 2015. So, a few months before he was this, uh, the, obviously, a few months before the Regency attack, and a few weeks later, then these the CCTV came along. But it, it, Patsy Hutch has long been a target of the Kinnahan cartel. We know, for example, that he has survived at least two hits. I mean, there was one in, I think it was March 2017, when the Garda Emergency Response Unit intercepted three men just a few hundred yards from Mr. Hutch's, uh, Patsy Hutch's house in north central Dublin. So he is a target. And we know that, for example, that there has been what the guards would call a post, a permanent Garda car outside Mr. Patsy Hutch's house in central Dublin. And it has been for quite some, as soon as the, the feud blew up, so he is a real top target for the Kinnahan cartel. Yeah, and just from the point of view of the case, we definitely didn't expect to be hearing uh, his name at all um, in relation to the evidence. It's important to state that Patsy Hodge is not before the courts. He's not charged with any criminal offence. Um, but I'll just, I'll expose, explain how his name came up. Um, there was a lot of... of uh, of CCTV footage shown in the morning in relation to the movements of several cars, several vehicles um, on the night of March 2016. Um, now, the significance of the night of March 2016 is uh, that this was the day that uh, that, that Gardaí intercepted a car in the Slane area, County Mead, uh, and they found these, these three Kalashnikov rifles in the boot of the car, alleged to be the same weapons that were... They, they later were able to allege that these weapons were the same ones used in the Regency Hotel attack. Um, well, they weren't alleged. I'll just have to be an anorak a wee second. Um, they were analysed and it was established through ballistic analysis that they were the same weapons because there were, I mean, we can talk about this in a while, but there were, there were, there were ballistic tests carried out on bullets that were fired at the Regency compared to the casings and the cartridges in the, the Kalashnikov-style rifles that were found in Slane. So then the court has heard that they were the same weapons. Yes, uh, we heard that evidence actually yesterday um, um, from a detective guard, David O'Leary, uh, who was able to give that evidence that you've just outlined, that they were able to to determine that they were the same weapons used. Um, but the significance today of, of, of that date, uh, the 9th of March, is we learned a bit more about the movements of, of the, the person driving that car with the weapons in it on the 9th of March in the hours prior. So, so that individual has been charged already. His name is Shane Rowan. And we basically watched for a long period of time CCTV footage of this vehicle coming from the north of Ireland, from Donegal, down to Dublin, to the Clare Hall uh, shopping centre uh, in, in North Dublin. And it then has interactions with a number of other vehicles, but key to that is a Toyota Yaris. Um, 
Now, I should probably admit, this was very procedural. There was a lot of CCTV evidence. And myself and a number of reporters, I'm not going to say we zone out, but to a degree, we, we are taking in a lot of information, dates and times, etc. And at that particular point, we didn't expect to hear the name Patrick Hutch Sr. Um, I certainly didn't. And that's uh, that's what I heard. I then had to turn to a colleague of mine and say, hold on a minute, what's going on? So the allegation that is... That does happen. That, that does happen. I mean, I, I, you, 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 sit, you sit in court cases and look, you know, we are all human and there is, it's sometimes it can be an information overload and you do literally, it is one of those moments when you sit up in your seat and go, did he just say that? So yeah, no, I've been there, done that. I empathize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so Patsy Hutch, uh, referred to as Patrick Hutch Sr. in the trial, uh, allegedly gets out of this Toyota Yaris and goes into an apple green garage, um, and then he is captured on CCTV footage inside. Again, mundane on the surface of it, he is seen holding two coffee cups and he allegedly buys pastries. <laughs> but uh, the significance is that this Toyota Yaris uh, is captured on CCTV um, and the, the insignia that's been driven by Shane Roan is following this Yaris for a period of time in the CCTV footage. So we don't yet know the full significance of that. Can I just go back to one thing? Uh, you mentioned that there, there was plenty of CCTV footage of the, it was an, a Vauxhall Insignia car with Shane Rowan in it. It went from the north all the way down. Did it show the various stages of the journey or were there, were there plenty of clips showing its journey effectively? Yeah, there were there were plenty of clips, uh, a lot of clips of it showing its journey. And even when it was in Dublin, uh, it went through a series of car parks and it was followed uh, it was following this Yaris and it was following another vehicle. And we've seen a lot of these movements uh, that, that went on for some time. See, that that is one of the, the key aspects of modern policing and any modern Garda investigations. It just goes to show you how crucial and how important CCTV actually is. I mean, you can think of plenty of other cases where, you know, the CCTV and, you know, I, I don't know if it's mentioned in this case yet, maybe in the future, but I don't think it has yet uh, mobile phone evidence. But CCTV, when you, your car is moves from one camera to the other, it effectively becomes a mobile map and you can trace the route you took by the CCTV. So really, CCTV is one of the main investigative tools that detectives have nowadays. Yes, and there's a mountain of it in this case, uh, hours upon hours. And we, at the start of the case, were hearing a lot of evidence from individuals who gave the CCTV to Gardaí, uh, people from all across Dublin and from different counties. Um, and and we've heard of, of 40 plus hours in one case um, that a Garda has to sit down and watch hours and hours of footage to maybe uh, just grasp a couple of seconds of, of a vehicle passing by a business. But that is, as you've mentioned already, it's brick by brick, brick building a case. And let me ask you, Paul, did the, the owners of the CCTV, shall we say, did they come into court and say, yeah, that's this is my CCTV, I gave it to the Guardi. See, that's, they have to ground that and they have to show the judges, this is who owned it and this is where it is and this is where we took it from and this is why it's important. So it's all, there's a chain of evidence, shall we say. So, you know, as I said, there is a, a, a building process, all these building blocks. But you have to prove that that is the CCTV and that's why they're in there showing that. Yes, and uh, there will be a lot of um, legal argument later in relation to how the CCTV was obtained. Um, certainly on the defence side of things, they have indicated that they are going to talk about uh, GDPR and data protection and all of that in relation to uh, how long a business or an individual can hold on to footage. And you know all of that is going to be contested. At the moment, we are seeing all of this evidence 
but later in the weeks to come, it's all going to be challenged on the defence side of things as well. And and this is important, important and, and interesting, I suppose, because were this uh, in the ordinary uh, courts, there would be legal argument that, that the stuff would be played and there would be legal argument. We wouldn't be allowed to report on this. But because there is no, ju- no jury in this case, we can talk about this. And the legal argument is, I, I call the trial within a trial in a special criminal court, but you, we, can, we are free to report on because there are, there, there are no jury members there. Yes. Um, so and just in summing up, the most significant evidence today, although on the surface of it is mundane, it is two individuals ultimately just meeting in a car park and meeting in a shop and buying coffee and buying a newspaper. But these individuals are alleged to be, as we said, Jerry Hutch and Jonathan Dowdall together. Uh, and much of the case, Jonathan Dowdall is alleging and will take the witness stand against Jerry Hutch, which is going to be extraordinary in itself. Uh, and uh, there's alleged conversations between the pair, which we can briefly touch on, as we already have. Um, Jonathan Dowdall told Gardy that, that Jerry Hutch told him that uh, that he was one of the team. The quote is one of the team uh, involved in the Regency. And, and so we're going to hear much more about that. And also the footage of them going up north is significant because we know that that vehicle at one stage was bugged by Gardy and that they were listening in on the conversation and we're going to hear that conversation. We don't know when exactly, but we're going to hear that conversation between allegedly Jonathan Dowdall and Jerry Hutch. And we will definitely be having a pod that day. That will be one of the more <laughs> significant days. I'm just going to touch very briefly on the evidence that was heard yesterday. We did mention it earlier on, just about the the, the rifles that were seized. So the court heard, we all call, they're all called Kalashnikovs, but none of them was actually the original Kalashnikov, which is a, a Russian rifle. One we heard was Chinese. One was a Yugoslavian Zastava M70. And the other was from Romania. So the Yugoslavian one, obviously that was manufactured before the Yugoslavian Civil War and as sort of the early 90s, probably late 80s, I suppose. But the, the court did hear that, as I said, one was Chinese. Analysis showed that one cartridge had been discharged from that gun. In other words, one shot had been fired from the Yugoslavian, the M70. Two shots were fired and from the Romanian one, seven shots were fired and they were all proved. It's called rifling. Detectives from the Garda Ballistics Unit were able to compare cartridges seized from the the, the guns that were uh, recovered in County Meath and compared them to cartridges that were found at the scene of the shooting in the Regency and they were able to compare them under a microscope. It's effectively like comparing fingerprints and they were able to prove that they were the same, that they were fired from the same weapon. So they have linked those guns that were seized in Slain to the Regency that, I mean, the, the guards have said they're the same, they're the one and the same. Yeah, I believe they were displayed in court yesterday as well, which was interesting. Um, they were, they would have actually been shown um, to the three judges and to those present in court yesterday. Um, it's worth noting that they keep being referred to as AK-47s, but as you've explained, uh, you know, uh, Mick, they, that they are Kalashnikov rifles. You've explained in, in greater detail as to what they actually are, but they keep being referred to as AK-47 uh, type weapons. So you're calling me an anorak? I am. <laughs> okay, that, 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 that's part of my job. Can we, can we just, before, I think that's nearly us, Paul, but can we just wrap up talking about a story you had in the start today? It was a great splash about Fianna Fáil, PD, Eamon O'Queeve and his visit. Well, tell us about it. Yeah, so this was our exclusive story in the start today um, in relation to Eamon O'Queeve, uh, Eamon O'Queeve's Fianna Fáil TD, and he visited Jonathan Dowdall um, around 2020 uh, when he was in Weefield Prison. Um obtained this information from a source and we put it to Eamon yesterday uh, and in fairness had a very lengthy conversation where Eamon O'Keefe basically tried to explain why he visited Jonathan Dowdall. 
And his reasoning basically for visiting John the Dowdall is, for many years, he says he's visited uh, what he calls Republican prisoners in Port Leash, the E-Wing prison of uh, Port Leash. And in that context, he says uh, an, a meeting was arranged between himself and Jonathan Dowdall, and he met with him. And this was when Jonathan Dowdall was convicted of torture um, and uh, falsely imprisoning a man in his home. But at that stage, he hadn't been charged over the regency. And it is interesting, uh, Deputy O'Keefe said he didn't know that, that there was any gangland link to Dowdall and he wouldn't become involved if he, knew, if, if, if he was aware of that. Yeah, gangland's where he draws the line is what he says. So he's, he, he has no issue meeting with Republican prisoners and he has said that he's met with people charged with serious offences, but he doesn't meet with gangland prisoners, he says specifically. And he didn't know about uh, Jonathan Dowdall's involvement in the Regency Hotel at that point or with the Hutches, he said. And if he did, he wouldn't have visited him. So uh, that's where, where our story stands. And a couple of politicians were asked about it today. Uh, the Justice Minister didn't really know much about it, but she, she cited, uh, Helen McEntee, she cited that um, she knew that Eamon O'Keefe uh, regularly visits prisoners and that he's done great work in that regard. But she, she wasn't fully aware of the situation in relation to Jonathan Dowdall. And Fianna Fáil have refused to comment uh, to us today in relation to it. So there has been some criticism, um, but, but all in all, it doesn't seem to be um, any major complications as far as his party is concerned with him visiting uh, the likes of Jonathan Dowdall. That was a great story. So I, I think that's us for the day. Do we know what's coming up tomorrow, Paul? Uh, we don't really know what's coming up tomorrow per se, but there is going to be more CCTV. It was kind of cut short today around half three uh, because the court had heard an awful lot of evidence, a significant amount of detailed evidence. So uh, we cut short at half three, uh, but we were still going through CCTV footage. So we're probably going to see more of that tomorrow. Okay, Paul, thanks for that. That was really, really interesting. Now, as we said at the start, we're not going to be covering this case every day. An awful lot of it is going to be very, very legally procedural and very heavy. Paul Healy can be can sit through it so we don't have to. But when there is a newsworthy day, like today, we'll be there and we'll be bringing this podcast to you. So thanks very much for listening. Thank you. <laughs>